honor. I was born right on this Chiactal Indian Reserve 90 years ago. I just want to know what is treaty? Acewell. My name is Sharon Denemy and we believe in Solo. Together we will engage in all things related to our journey towards self-government. Dollar Signal is the audio component to our very independent newsletter by the same name. In this episode, we're going to explore what treaty really is. This is my first time in the podcast host chair as I've taken over for Teresa Warpus, who's on maternity leave. And I'm also pretty new to the Stalo Hohomo Treaty Association. So delving into this topic is a great opportunity for learning for me as well. So what is treaty? Well, let's turn to Grand Chief Stephen Point for an answer. What is treaty? It's an agreement. It's agreement between nations. We've never signed a treaty where we've given up our land. Yet Europeans have come. They've occupied our territories. They've taken our trees. They've taken out our minerals. We've never been recognized for all that we've given up. A treaty will finally set us on the correct path as a nation. A nation with a treaty with the Canadian government. Okay, so it's an agreement between nations. Thank you, Uncle Stephen. For those who might be interested, he goes further in one of the Since You Asked videos on our website at sxta.bc.ca and just click that multimedia tab. But just for clarity, why not take a step back and ask another question? What is a nation? Luckily, Uncle Stephen has an answer to that as well. What is a nation? When you look back in our history, it's not a question that we would have asked ourselves. <laughs> but the question has been foisted onto First Nations around the world, wherever European nations have gone, wherever colonialism has reached into the peoples and destroyed our institutions. What is a nation? It's a group of individuals, people, who share the common vision for themselves, a common set of values that protect their territory from other nations. When people like Perez and Cook and Vancouver arrived on the west coast, what is now North America, the entire territory of British Columbia was divided by well-known boundaries. The tribes knew where the territories were. This was not a secret. The intertribal wars were examples of tribes fighting to maintain their territory. Intertribal warfare was in fact an expression of nationhood. Grand Chief Point has always been such a natural teacher and has such a great way of explaining things. This is from a speech he gave at BC Treaty Commission event a few years ago. We'll make sure we attach a link. I'd like to get back to the nationhood idea, but first let's explore the idea of treaties again. Treaties were signed back when colonialists first came, but not here in BC. So here's Uncle Stephen again. Because the federal government, when it came to the new world, decided that it needed to purchase the land from the Indians, first of all, pursuant to the Royal Proclamation of 1763. The idea of purchasing the land from the Indians recognized that Indigenous people owned the land, that they had authority over the land. And once the land was purchased, then it was opened to settlers that were coming from Europe. This process, called the treaty process, was in fact carried out in most of the provinces in Canada. In British Columbia, however, only 14 of these treaties were written on Vancouver Island between 1851 and 1853. They're called the Douglas Treaties. In recent times, 
After the Calder decision in the Supreme Court of Canada, the federal government decided that it wanted to, to deal with these rights that exist in British Columbia. The only way that these rights can be dealt with is through a treaty, a nation-to-nation -nation negotiations process. So I've heard a lot of concern voiced about whether treaties have been honored. And from what I can gather, this seems to stem from a different understanding of what those historic treaties meant to Indigenous people when they were negotiated. One cool article on cbc.ca compared the oral and written versions. Here's what Michael Anderson, the research director of a Manitoba organization that defends the political interests of treaty groups, has to say about what went on during these negotiations. The essence of the treaty was to create a nation together that will exist in perpetuity. For as long as the sun shines, the grass grows, and the water flows, the core concept is to share the traditional land of the First Nations who have entered into a treaty with the Crown and the Canadian settlers, and also benefit from the Crown's resources such as medicine and education. But the text of the written treaties tells a whole other story. According to what the white people wrote down, the native groups surrendered all of their rights to the land in exchange for small reserves and meager compensation. Seems like a bad deal then, so why would we want to get into these agreements now? As Jean Tellia, a lawyer who's been working with us for years, said at a treaty meeting in 2010, you have three parties at the table who have diametrically opposed agendas. So if you wonder why treaties take a long time to negotiate, it's because everybody's starting from three different sides of the room and they're nowhere near what we call in law being ad idem, meaning of one mind. They're not, they're not on the same page. And in that same video, our former political advisor, Joe Hall, talked about the difference between the Stala vision and the provincial and federal government's understanding of treaty. Too often people think that it's just an attempt to try and get a, a lump sum cash settlement and, and some more reserve lands. It's much more than that. We're looking for a way of preserving the Stalo culture as a whole. And we're not looking for exclusivity in certain areas. We recognize the fact that there's going to be joint uses of, of lands in the future. Recently, things have shifted. In 2018, the three parties came together to sign a Memorandum of Understanding, which has moved the Stalo Hohomuk into the last stage of negotiations. Our leaders have always stated that our treaty will never extinguish our inherent rights and title to any of our territory, that we don't want to lock down any elements of our agreement, that we want this document to live and breathe as our government-to-government -government relationship continues to grow. And that is what they signed off on at a ceremony in La Camel in October 2018. You can check out more about this on our YouTube channel or on our website. Here's BC's Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation, Scott Fraser. Together. We are working hard to build healthy communities to create a shared prosperity. Exploring a rights and reconciliation approach, a recognition of the rights approach here in British Columbia, this is the first time such a memorandum has ever been signed. Developing a new type of agreement called a core treaty. And Federal Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations, Carol Bennett, added this about what a new kind of treaty will achieve. It's about the resilience and it's about finally getting to do the right thing by actually doing this important work of self-determination where once again you will have jurisdiction over your land and your water and your people and again get to that moment where you no longer have to live under the Indian Act.
And that also raises an important difference between the historic numbered treaties and the modern ones, like Tawasa, Niska, and even land claim agreements like the Yukon and Northwest Territories. Getting out from under the Indian Act, writing our own laws, self-government. No modern treaty nation wants to return to the way that things were before getting out from under the Indian Act. In March 2019, the SXTA actually brought three speakers to Chiacton Hall. They were from Malnuth, Tlamin, and Tuasin. We have some pretty sketchy audio from this event, but here's Roy Francis from Tlamin. Uh, for us, it was probably the most stressful, painful, uh, contentious time in our community. But after the end of it all, uh, we, we came out okay. If you're interested, we have more about their presentations on our website at sxta.bc.ca. And stay tuned because we are going to do a whole show on what self-government means to us. And to do this, we'll go back to talk to our treaty neighbors in their own community soon. We're also going to post more about Teresa and Winona Hall's conversation in our next episode, and she's going to tear apart the Indian Act. If you still have questions, keep listening. Keep exploring the idea, as Elaine Malloway says. I keep coming to these meetings and... You know, all the time you hear, like, even on the treaty Facebook page, you're saying, stop this treaty, we can't give up anything. And then that's why I said, you haven't been going to these meetings, you don't know what you're, you know, what you're talking about, it's changed. So check out our website at sxta.bc.ca, join our Facebook group at the SXTA, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, email us, outreach at sxta.bc.ca, or give us a call at 604-824-3281. And last words to Grand Chief Point. As nations of people came to our country, we showed them the respect. We dealt with them in a kind way. We shared with them our country. And now we've been denied so many things. It's time that we as nations stood back up, take our rightful place in the community of nations, even though we are a nation within a nation, and begin to walk in the direction of our objective, which is, in fact, nationhood. And I don't care if they write it in their constitution. I don't care if they have an Indian Act, whatever they have. That's their business. My business is, is that I have a nation, that I have tribal sovereignty, and then I'll sit down with them and talk about how I want to relate to them.